I'll try not to do that 85 mm. times mm. during the recording, but no mm-hmm. promises because mm-hmm. you spread your sickness to me through our 5G I did, connection. I, 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 I did that. Yes, you did. Actually, no, that's not true. My daughter shared her mm-hmm. sickness with everybody in the family this time. Mm-hmm. Even Tweed. Poor Tweed. You know Tweed always thinks he's got the worst That's of ever it. been made, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I got it really bad. I mean, you guys, it wasn't that bad. But me, I'm so sick. Anyway, what have I been watching? Well, I have been watching Squid Game Ooh. on Netflix, which I am so into, and I'm almost done with. I'm on the last episode, and I'm very excited that I have heard inklings about a season two, although I don't know, but I like it a lot, and really that's all I've been watching, because I got Tweed into it too, so we've been watching either that or Midnight Mass at night. I started... Because you were going on and on about it. So I started it at 10 o'clock last night. And I watched. I was watching the first episode. I was like, okay, like, why? Why Why is everybody freaking out about this stupid thing? And by the end of the episode, I was like, oh, shit. I got to watch the second one. And then the second one, like, blew my mind. I was like, well, crap, I got to finish it. But I didn't. I just, <laughs> I just stayed up really late. And I'm only done with, uh, I'm up to three. So we will see. I really like it. We'll see what happens. My kids are really pissed that I started it without them, so we will see if they will watch it with me. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. Um, what have I been watching? I've been watching Made on Netflix. Oh, I've heard great things about that. I read the book like a few years ago. I think I might, actually might have been in college when I, I read it by Stephanie Land, and it's a true story about a woman, a very, very young, like leaves an abusive relationship with her um, three-year-old daughter and... All she has in her pocket is like $12 and she has no place to live and she doesn't have a job and she has absolutely no family to rely on. So she's homeless and she's just got to kind of make shit work and she's working the system and, you know, trying to find transitional housing and taking care of her daughter. And it's just, it's rough. And reading the book was heartbreaking. I think they've actually done a really good job with the series. I think I'm, I'm maybe I'm more than halfway through, but it's got Margaret Qualley who is just fabulous in everything she does. And then her real life mother is Andy McDowell and who playing her mother, yeah. Andy McDowell. This is like, you've never seen her. She was always like, I don't know. I, all I can think of is like four weddings and a funeral and groundhog's day, groundhog's day. And then what's the, uh, St. Elmo's fire. She was in that and too, like just beautiful yeah. with the curly hair and she, her hair is gray now. And it's just, what it's, I don't know. They're great. It's fabulous. And then just some silly stuff. I don't know. It's kind of silly stuff. I watched the Controlling Britney documentary on Hulu, which is the same one that the Framing Britney. It's the same New York Times thing. This one, they actually talked to people like that were in her circle and like they break some shit down. But I don't know. She came out and said a lot of it was fake. She said on her Instagrams. I don't know. I don't know. But it was very eye opening about her old conservatorship. And then we watched Attack of the Hollywood Clichés on Netflix. It's just a... Not really a documentary, but it's hosted by Rob Lowe, and it's all about the Hollywood cliches, and we laughed really hard at a lot of them, because they're like, oh, yeah. At every funeral, there's always a shadow figure watching from the, you know, not going up to the thing, and then they're like, and if it's in Fast and the Furious, there's another shadowy figure a little further off watching, and I was like, oh, shit, that did happen. That's crazy. So, yeah, uh, that that was fun. That was just some silly stuff we watched, too. 
So, oh, and nailed it, that kind of thing. That's what we've been watching. Oh, I forgot to mention that I watched for the first time Hocus Pocus oh. with my kids. And I do not understand all the hype. I think maybe it is... Well, I say it's an age thing, but I know people my age who go nuts about this movie. But I think it's an age thing of, like, when you first saw it. So if you saw it when you were younger, then maybe it made more of an impression on you. But me, at the ripe old age of too old, I don't know. I didn't get the hype. I didn't think any of it was funny. I didn't laugh one time. I don't know. My my daughter, she's 13. She thought it was hilarious. She laughed her butt off. So maybe that's the ideal age to start with Hocus Pocus. But it's not 42, I can tell you that. I think I may have seen it in the theater when it came out. And I still don't understand the big love of it. I think I might have enjoyed it at the time. But no, it was never one of those movies like, I gotta watch that again. I gotta show that to my friends. I could take it or leave it. I don't ever sit and watch it when it comes on. I think it's really disturbing that the little girl calls boobs yabos. Yeah, I probably will never watch it again. I don't. I love Halloween and I love Halloween movies. Just not for me. Yeah. I don't know. If, I don't, My kids probably have seen it. Not sure. Dressing mm-hmm. up with the Sanderson sisters, the whole thing. I think that's just blown up like in the last few years and I don't know why. Yes. All right. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to That's Original Podcast, and I'm Kelly, here with my beautiful friend, Tiffany. Hello, Tiffany. Hi, and I'm not sick, and Kelly is. Ha ha. Yeah. Yeah. So, sorry for the weird voice, but we really didn't want to push off recording because, you know, we were out for so long, and we just want to talk to you guys. So, we are going to do it, and today we are doing episode two of Midnight Mass, This episode is called Book Two Psalms. So, Tiffany, start us off here. All right. Well, we are picking right up the same morning of the Cat Massacre from the end of episode (laughs) one. Riley, his dad, the sheriff, the mayor, everybody's out surveying what happened. And the sheriff is actually concerned that maybe this is like a disease or infection that they should be concerned about. It's public safety. But... I don't know. The mayor remembers in 2002 when a whole flock of starlings just fell out of the goddamn sky. They never got an answer about it. Or that whole pod of dolphins that, you know, just washed up a few years ago. And I was like, note to self, do not visit this island ever. Because what the fuck is happening over here? (laughs) So the mayor, I mean, he doesn't have a bad theory. But he thinks, well, maybe the storm was so bad that all the cats drowned up in the uppers and then just washed up on the shore. Not a terrible theory. Not a correct theory. But not terrible. Or maybe it's from the oil spill. There's just remnants of that. And the sheriff says, no, look at these things. There's no oil. Their necks are all broken. And there's a hole. But there's no blood anywhere in the cats or on the beach, which was so disturbing. Mayor is not to be deterred. He thinks maybe it's an osprey or a shark. (gasps) If the sharks are coming back, wouldn't that be grand? If there's sharks, there's fish. You know, maybe the oil spill is going away. And Sheriff's like, yeah, I don't know. I'm not a fisherman. I I got a bunch of dead cats on the beach. Whatevs. Mayor says, well, maybe the cats did it to themselves. It's like Lord of the Flies up in the uppers. I was like, what is it? Fucking Thunderdome up there in the uppers? No. (laughs) This is one... Ollie comes in with a gas can because they're going to burn the fuck out of these cat corpses. Mayor is not for it because the people here don't want you seeing burning cats, but in the smell, the smell of burning cats, gross. This is when Mayor makes a whole bunch of passive aggressive comments about the sheriff and Ollie being a part of things and wanting to help because staying isolated or separate hurts the whole island. So wouldn't it be a good idea that maybe you just come to Mass? 
every once in a while. You know, you can go to the mosque on Fridays on the mainland, but Sundays you come to Mass as a show of goodwill. Do a reading, couple announcements. No biggie. If I was a sheriff, I would punch this guy in the neck. Right. So they meet up with Riley and Riley's dad, who informs that Riley was out in the storm and thought he saw something. And Riley's like, yeah, I thought I saw the Monsignor. The mayor says, well, maybe you saw something doing something to these cats. Maybe that's what you saw. It's like there's some guy out here just sucking these cats dry. And he's like, um, no, it was definitely the Monsignor, but Okay. Aaron has shown up on the beach for some reason because dead cat smell must be super appealing to pregnant people. I don't know. I, I, I would or think... there's literally nothing else going on in this entire island. Pretty much. Is probably um, Riley is very concerned for her health. It tells her to stay back because of the whole toxoplasmosis thing about pregnant ladies and cats. And Aaron tells him it's a myth. And then Riley's like feeling bad for totally unloading on her the other day about his shitty life. And she says, listen, now you found out your purpose. Your purpose is is cat disposal burning cat bodies there you are you waited out the storm now you got your new thing and then he says gotta go burn some cats and then i'm gonna hop on the boat for the mainland and go to my aa meeting i got a busy day bye aaron see you later i didn't like her in the scene i I thought she was annoying she's like don't tell me what to do i'm like wow bitch all right why don't you go fuck around with all the dead cats and see what happens fuck around and find out here yeah she also made the whole like uh, the the comment about usually women get pregnant and i was like that's not what we're saying these days oh that's problematic Mm -hmm. and that she was like oh off to greener pastures and he's like no i have a meeting she's like anything fun i'm like jesus christ aaron it's an aa meeting does he need to spell it out for you you know the whole island knows knows why yeah yeah so dumb Ay, ay, ay. Anyway, so Riley is on the boat now going to his meeting. And at church on the island, it's time for daily mass. And so we have Lisa and Annie and Bev and some other random old lady and the electric organ guy. And that's pretty much it. It appears that Father Paul has found the green chasuble because he's wearing it for today's service. And he and the congregation start singing. Then the singing switches to a boys choir who's singing. I'm awful because I don't even really know the name of the song. It's holy, holy, holy Lord, Lord God Almighty. If you heard it, you would know it yeah. even if you're not Catholic. I was singing it. <laughs> <laughs> so Riley's going to his meeting. Father Paul's saying mass, giving communion. Riley's getting his little attendance card for AA stamped. After mass, Father Paul and Lisa are walking through the town. He's walking. She's in her electric wheelchair, obviously. She asks where he was before he came to there, to which he does not reply, and instead he tries to make a whole lesson out of it by saying it's more important to know where we're going and how all the places he was before were leading him to this moment. And do you know what that thing is that's pointing us to where we're going? It's God, Lisa. And in the meantime, she's not listening to him at all. She's stopped the wheelchair, and she's staring off to the side. And Father Paul notices, and notices that she's staring at Joe with his dog. And she and Joe just sit there weirdly staring at each other. We're not really sure about the connection quite yet. Father Paul's like, you good? And she's like, oh, oh, yeah, I'm fine. Totally fine. I liked the imagery they had between the communion wafer and the sobriety chip. I thought that was really clever. Mm -hmm. I thought that was really kind of cool. So we're at the school now, and Erin is cleaning the windows in her classroom. I was like, who does that? Who, who cleans windows on a regular basis? Can you come to my house while you're at it? Um, I do, and I find it weird that you oh, don't. Can, can you come to my house? Because I have a thousand windows, and I couldn't tell you. It was probably not in this decade. She runs out of Windex, so she goes to the supply closet where she catches Bev getting rat poison off of the shelf. 
Is she a teacher? And is Bev a teacher? Yes, Bev is a teacher. I think that um, Aaron teaches the older kids because she was talking about teenagers. Right, in right. A, another another scene, and I think. Bev teaches the younger kids. I just, I wasn't sure if she was a teacher or she's just hanging out in the supply closet. It seemed unclear. So. I, I thought I saw her name up on like a board outside of oh. a class. Well, I know they like I made a be, point of like Mrs. Keene and, and like all the kids knew her, but I didn't know if that was a church thing or if she was a teacher thing. Okay. Anyways. I I think she's a teacher, but again, I'm, I'm it not It would make sense if she that. was. Yeah. Okay. This is the whole town's right, supply right. closet. So anyway, she's there at the supply closet to get Windex. And Bev, who is apparently in charge of appropriating all of these things to everyone on the island, tells her to add water to the bottle. And Aaron's like, well, I already threw it away. So anyway, can I have one? Bev's like, oh, it's just so funny. Your mother, she used to put back the empty bottles, most of them filled with just water. She couldn't stand the waste, but you, you just throw it away. Isn't that just a gas? And Aaron, she's like, yeah, it's hilarious because, you know, at home, she never met a bottle she couldn't empty. But um, So why don't you shut your stupid face, Bev? So Bev hands her a new bottle of Windex, and Aaron's like, what you got there, Bev? And she says, she's like rat poison, because after the spill, they have so many. Up on their shelf, there are like 20. They're not, it's not cans. They're well, turpentine, like, you know, those kind of orange yes. bottles, those yes. cans with the, the spin tops, yeah. Yeah, they're that kind of shape with the with the spout on top that you unscrew. She said after the oil spill, they had a big rat problem because their food supply had been contaminated. And now with these dead cats everywhere, if there's some kind of predator out there, I want to be protected. I'm just going to sprinkle a little bit outside my house to be safe. And anybody else, you know, I could do it to your house if you want. Aaron's like, yeah, no thanks. So that was weird. Super weird. I don't know. I think it's just setting up. We ha- It's setting up. The poison. We'll come back to it. So Father Paul has come a knocking to Doc Sarah's. She answers the door and he's like, Sarah. And she's like, oh, we've never met. That's weird. You don't know my name and I don't attend church, but okay. Good to meet you. This guy's always got to answer for everything. He says, the Monsignor told me that um, before your mother got ill, that she never missed a daily mass. I'm here to deliver it to her. And Sarah's like, okay, I I guess. Come on in. Mom Millie, who's the woman that is very confused by everything. She's, I don't she must have some kind of dementia or something started. And she immediately looks at Father Paul and says, John? And Sarah's, oh, sorry, Father. She thinks you're Monsignor Pruitt. She just gets confused. And the mom is just looking at this guy, giving him, like, the most suspicious looks. Yeah, she's wagging her finger like, nah. You're not listening. Then Father Paul says, I've come to celebrate Mass, young lady. And I was like, that sounds super creepy because he's mm-hmm. young and she's old. Mm-hmm. Sarah says, okay, well, I want nothing to do with this church shit. You do your thing. I'm going to go in the office. Let me know if she starts freaking out. So, Father sits down, and he's looking at old mom Millie, and he his eyes are filled with tears, just by how age has ravaged her, you know? Mm-hmm. Sarah comes out of the office, and she's kind of watching, and he is so delicately feeding her the body of Christ in delivering communion, and it's, it's really very sweet. It's very intimate, which is mm-hmm. weird. So, Riley is on his way home from his AA meeting, you know, and he's got to walk through all the goddamn town because they live 300 miles away. 
he walks by Aaron's house where she's sitting on the porch and he just kind of puts his head down and walks past her. He is me at every grocery store ever when I see oh. somebody I know. <laughs> he just like, okay, if I can just keep walking, no one will notice me. Which happened to me today with Owen's preschool teacher at the store. Anyway, <laughs> so she calls him out for walking by without saying hi. She's like, you just going to walk by without saying hi to me? And then she asks about his day, and he says, wow, you know, it's been a long time since anyone asked me that. And she's like, they don't ask about your day in prison? And he's like, um, no. All our days are exactly the same, so one day is not better than the rest. And she's like, okay. So this becomes this whole, like, flirty banter thing with the two Mm -hmm. of them. She's like, well, if you'd like, I can sell you my routine cheap. And he's like, okay, well, uh give me your best pitch. And so like, they're doing like, she's on shark tank and she's giving this pitch to the sharks. And she says, sharks, have you ever woken up to go to an AA meeting on the mainland and thought there has to be a better way? The air and routine starts with 40 minutes of morning sickness. Then a classroom full of teenagers who all think you're an idiot, but half of whom smell like the fishing boats they spent the morning working on. Then the city council where you'll be kind of, but not really slut shamed by Bev Keen. Who really misses your awful mother, by the way. And that is followed by a session of evening morning sickness. And Riley asked her if evening morning sickness is worse than morning morning sickness, then he's going to have to be out. He's not going to buy her pitch. He's, he's not going to buy her product. <laughs> and he says, I got to get going. I can't keep my parents waiting. And she's like, wow, that sounds familiar. He's like, what are you talking about? She says, I can remember a 15-year-old Riley climbing out of my bedroom window to make sure he made curfew and didn't upset his parents. So, apparently, these two were banging back when they were 15 or, I don't know, something. They were making out or something when they were 15 years old. Which, okay, these pictures that Riley had while he was in prison of the two of them, they are not 15. They are... (laughs) No, no. They were, like, early 20s. Yeah, and and she apparently ran away when she was a teen. They needed to, like... Either age yeah. them down or different people. I, they just, they were trying to make it clear it was these two actors and they did not do mm-hmm. it as well. Anyway, we cut to Riley's house and his mom, Annie, is sewing the banner for the crock pot lunch that the church is holding. And she accidentally stabs her finger with a needle. But when she goes to look at it, her vision is all blurry. So she pulls her glasses off and looks at her finger and all of a sudden she can see clearly and she can see the blood on her finger. So she can see better without her glasses. Hmm. Does that sound like Spider-Man? Yeah, this is, this is exactly what my oldest said. I said she Tobey Maguire'd it. My oldest said, holy shit, she's Spider-Man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> Riley comes home, greets mom. Hey, how's it going? And immediately goes into his room prison, which I just call his room now because it's his room prison. And lays down and immediately the bed tilts. And he's staring at a mangled Terabath, and he says, how was your day? He must see her as he's drifting off to sleep, because now we're back mm-hmm. into the dream thing again, where he's he's adrift on the boat, and that's more I thought about that. I was like, he's adrift at sea. He's by himself. He doesn't necessarily look sad. He just looks disappointed. He doesn't have a purpose. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's, he's just, just adrift. There. He's just adrift. Mm-hmm. It flashes between that to mangled Terabath, and then to a figure in a long coat, and then we get this... It's not clear if it was part of the dream. It's apparently not. We see the island from the sky, like all lit up from the sky, and we hear big wings flapping. And I was like, Dracula. It's totally Dracula. And then we see Uker is walking, smoking a cigarette, and a big whoosh goes over him, and he looks up in the sky. And I was like, oh, Uker's going to die. 
but he didn't. And then whatever this big flying thing just whooshes down in front of the abandoned houses, and it's terrifying. So the next morning, I guess, maybe, Father Paul and Warren and Uker are burning palms for the Ash Wednesday service. Like typical Catholics, there are twice as many people at church today because Easter and Christmas Catholics are here. It's the Christers. The Christian Easters. Christmas Easters. Yep. They really like to make an appearance on Ash Wednesday so that everyone outside the church can see mm-hmm. that they went to church and be like, wow, what an amazing and interesting person. So Father Paul Levitt immediately calls these people out like, hey, great to see you, but can I ask you a question? Why not every Sunday, you two-timers? Come on, get to church. <laughs> he says, I also see people coming out of the woodworks around Lent. Why? It's hardly a crowd pleaser type of holiday. Making amends for our sins, these sins, this darkness that's spilled into us. We wear this darkness on our foreheads today, just a smudge of ash, of death, of sin, for repentance, because we're heading for Easter, redemption, rebirth. So I think we're, I think at Easter is going to be like the season finale of this show. According to the episode guide, it is. (laughs) It is? Uh Yeah. Oh, wow. I'm so smart. Yeah. So he says, just like this, island will rise again, even out of disaster. I mean, who did Jesus turn to to build his church? His apostles? They were fishermen. And he tells this parable that you hear in church all the time about telling the men to cast out their nets. And when they pull them out, a bounty. And as he's telling this homily, and I'm not even sure if this is his homily or if this is what I like to call opening statements, where priests sometimes want to do sneak like a second homily into the beginning of church. But everybody in the crowd is just hanging on his every word. And like Ed Riley's father is he wants to clap like he is so inspired by this i was inspired by this seriously i am not i am not a catholic i don't attend church and this had me in tears like everything has me in tears but it had me like (laughs) it was very moving it was very Mm -hmm. very touching yeah it was he says jesus will resurrect this island he will fill your nets it's great you're here today but please keep coming back those doors are always open just bring yourself And then he recited Psalm 60, God, you have rejected us. You have broken us down. You have been angry. Restore us again. Do you know what Psalms are? They're songs. That's what it means to have faith, that in the darkness, in the worst of it, in the absence of light and hope, we sing. That same hand that dealt you your hardship will make you whole. And like Riley's mom is crying like it it was very moving it was I wrote it all down because I thought it was I did too but the way that he says it I can't even begin to deliver it like he did and you could he was Hamish Linkletter I this dude needs an Emmy he's done some good stuff and he was like you could tell he was moved by it it was just very (laughs) very good then he, he gives out the ashes and side note that Annie is not wearing her glasses anymore mm-hmm. And she convinces Riley to get the ashes. She says it's not a sacrament. It's a blessing. And really, anyone can get ashes. You don't even have to be Catholic. Anybody can get them. And every time a person comes up, he says the person's name. And he says, remember, you are dust. And to dust you shall return. But when Riley comes up, I have no idea what the significance of this was. He says, Riley, remember, you are dust. And then he takes this huge pregnant Mm -hmm. pause before he says, and to dust you shall return. And even Riley's like, what the fuck was that? And then like, he says, bless you, son. Like, I just... Yes. Oh. It's weird. I think it's because there's the recognition mm-hmm. there 
of what he used to be mm-hmm. and what church used to mean to him and now what he sees how what Riley has become. Riley is the lost sheep, you know, the, the I whole was just thing. getting ready to say there that you, you literally took the words out of my mouth. I was gonna say he's the lost sheep. Oh my god, Tiffany. I tell you what. I tell Wasn't you that what. just in something else though? Oh shit. I don't there know. was some other show that, that was that was a significant thing that I cannot remember. But anyways, what else? Okay, so it is after, which, I mean, this is a Wednesday, right? Is this the same day? Yes. Yeah, because they also have the ash in there. So Wednesday, apparently nobody's going to work on on ash Wednesday. I mean, well, they are all fishermen, so where else are they freaking going to go? <laughs> but this is the crock pot lunch, and it's a big picnic with music, and everybody's outside, and you're having a great time. And Doc Sarah is there with her girlfriend, question mark, which we find out a little more in a minute. And then Joe and his big dog have come, and we see them grabbing drink tickets and beer while Lisa's parents glare at him. And Bev stares at him, too, for an uncomfortable amount of time. And then Riley's handed drink tickets, which everybody on the frickin' island knows Riley's story. Why are they giving him drink tickets? I know! <laughs> Stupid. Um, unless they- These must be contracted That's people what out I was from outside the island. Say. These are, they hired bartenders. Yes. So Bev and the sheriff and Ollie are, um... Ollie, Allie, Ollie, I think, right? Ollie, Ollie, I think is how you say it. So they're getting food, and Bev's telling the sheriff that this used to be just a spring festival until the church came to the island, and then they coined the phrase, the crock pot luck. Sarah is talking to the woman that she's with, and this woman says, this is our second date, and you brought me to this. <laughs> like, this is super weird. My first thought is, where the fuck is mom? Like, is she tied to the bed? <gasps> Who is taking care of her? Where is she at? Oh my god. <laughs> Like, where? Where is she? Did you notice that the sheriff and Ollie didn't have any food on I their plate? Because, because they were vegetarians. I, I, yeah. Yeah. Because there's nothing there they could eat. I, I, that's, yep. I said that same thought, but I wasn't sure if that was a thing or not. But, yep. So, um, Sarah's girlfriend says, this place is everything you said. It's a trip and kind of a thing back in time. And she's like, you have to get out of here. And Sarah says, well, I... I'm kind of stuck here until my mom dies. I don't want to move her to an unfamiliar place now when she's so far gone. I think that'd be cruel to her. I just have to be here until this is over with. This is when the girlfriend notices that Father Paul is staring at them. And she's like, okay, we've upset your clergy. And Sarah's like, hey, he's not my clergy. I don't go to church. And it's really weird because he's new. She's like, but they all have that same disappointed look. You know, the Monsignor used to stare at me when I was little. He used to stare at me like that when I was a kid. And she's like, it freaked me out because I thought he knew I was a lesbian. He could sniff that out of me or something because that's crazy. So um, Father Paul has found Riley sitting on a bench all by himself and, of course, sits down and starts making small talk because he has him trapped. And Riley's too nice to say, please leave me alone. Father's like, you know, I've always preferred Easter to Christmas. The whole resurrection thing, it's actually my favorite holiday. And Riley's like, yeah? So uh, how's the Monsignor? That was his favorite time, too. He actually coined the phrase crockpot lunch. That was his thing. It's the crockpot luck. Get it? Because it's a pot luck lunch. I had it the first time, and then I didn't do it the second time. I apologize. Crockpot luck. Throttles you. Yeah. Father says, you know, Monsignor's fine. He speaks fondly of you, and he remembers you. Riley's like, well, is he, like, up and about, you know, wandering beaches in the middle of storms? Just just checking. Father, who instantly has a response for every freaking thing, says, very unlikely. Um, 
There's no possible way that he could have because I spoke to him just, you know, that night on the phone. And it was after the last ferry of the day on a landline in his room. There's no we get it. There's no way he could have been here. I was like, wow, calm down, father. We didn't accuse you of murder. You didn't have to set up your alibi. Right. Oh, my God. And uh, Riley's like, all right, well, father, you can go now. Keep it moving. Don't want to hold up your town, your time on the town pariah. And father's like, yeah, see, here's the thing. Um, Your mom mentioned that you have to go to the mainland for AA. And I was thinking, you know, I could just start a chapter here. We have the rec center. And, you know, I could save you a day on the ferry. And you could just do it here in town, you know, not get away from this nonsense here for a day. I'm like, I was thinking, he probably loves leaving for the day. I know. And um, he's like, and there's plenty of need here. We have one full-blown alcoholic and points very dramatically to Joe. <laughs> he says, who is responsible? Who's sitting right next to the cat? Yeah. Like, fuck it. I'm here. He's like, who is responsible for the drunken hunting accident that paralyzed little Lisa? So now we know what happened, kind of, sort of what happened to Lisa. And Riley's like, I wouldn't call it a hunting accident. Joe was just shooting to shoot. So I don't know if Lisa was walking by, she was out in the woods. Somehow she was accidentally shot by Joe. All this happened and Joe still won't put down the bottle. Imagine what you could do, Riley, by example. You've had this terrible thing happen to you, but if you could change your life, imagine the kind of example you'd be. This is when Aaron, thankfully, comes in to save Riley and brings him a coffee. Says to his father, I really enjoyed the homily today. And then we get a quick look of Joe's dog is laying on the ground and you see this flowered skirt walk by and toss him a hot dog. And scene. And his name is Pike. Pike. I yeah, he keeps calling him I had no He called him Buddy yeah, like calling him dog yeah, do- yeah. Sam. Yeah, I don't know. So Joe, like I said, is sitting at the keg doing his best to empty it. Aaron and Riley are walking around talking about how useless their drink tickets are. She's telling him how her mom used to collect drink tickets that people weren't going to use and then drink herself into a stupor and blah, blah, blah. And how the night after the crockpot luck was pretty rough at her house. And I don't know. They're they're just talking about how she's going to be a great mother and she's such a great teacher and she's nothing like her mother and whatever. Then suddenly we hear someone screaming why why and it's joe and he's leaned over his dog who is clearly in distress like his jaw is melting off and it's disgusting he's puking up blood is what it is like it fizzles out like under his jaw like it's burning through whatever he has eaten is burning through his mouth and joe is losing his shit as you would do if your dog had been clearly poisoned everyone is gathering around and he's asking who did this and we all know bev did it because we saw the skirt and she's the only Mm -hmm. one wearing anything remotely similar to and she's also a raging cunt so doc sarah offers to take a look at the dog and poor joe he's so pitiful but she doesn't even look it over no yeah (laughs) So dumb. Sarah just kind of, yeah, kind of crouches down, and she's like, "Yeah, this is really, this is not my area of expertise." She's like, "Oh, well, maybe he got into something he shouldn't have by accident." And Joe yells, "An accident!" And then he looks and he notices Lisa and her parents, and where clearly there was an accident there, and he just resigns himself to this loss, and he glares at Bev, and he whispers something. And I listened to it three or four times, and it was not on the captions. Yeah. It doesn't show anything, and I could not make it out, but it was like death something, 
like D-E-A-T-H, or debts, or D-E-B-T. I can't make that clear with my current nasal situation. I don't know what it was, but I'm dying to know it, he said. I tried so hard to figure it out. My deaf ass and I didn't even notice he said anything, so there you go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it wasn't on the captions. Yeah, I, I, if it's no. not on the captions, it doesn't exist. <laughs> I just have Bev walks away snottily in my notes, because that's all I got. Oh, she did. So it's the next morning, question mark. Time is never clear. I It has to be the mm. next morning because we are working our way through Easter, but here we are. So it's um, early and dad and Warren are in the kitchen and they're making breakfast and Riley comes out and dad's like, why are you up so early? He's like, well, I was wondering maybe if I could help on the boat and I just want to be of use and be of some kind of purpose, dad. And this is when I noticed that um, dad isn't coughing anymore, like coughing up a lung like he was mm-hmm. before. And then it's Daily Mass, and Bev and Father are about to lead Daily Mass for just, once again, Annie and Elisa and random old lady. And Bev says, isn't it nice to be back to normal? Funny how the pews empty out once everyone has their ashes. And I was like, ooh. Mm-hmm. Quick cut back to the boat, and we see Dad is pulling up these crab pots like they're nothing and just tossing them into the boat. Like, Riley goes running to help, and he's, and he's like, oh, Dad, you're back. And he's like, no, I'm fine. Like, he's 12, you know, he's... So everybody's Benjamin buttoning in this shit. We've already mm-hmm. we called it early on, and it's a beautiful thing. There's a cat in my room, but every time I go to the door to let him out, he runs and hides under my bed. But he's standing here crying because he's a dick. Anyway, so if you hear a cat crying, my cats are dick. <laughs> okay, so we're back in the supply closet because this is where everybody hangs out in town. That's where the, that's the happening. I mean, I I think I'd rather be in the supply closet than the church, but that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> So, Miss Keen Bev is in the supply closet, and she's met by the sheriff, who is doing some passive-aggressive shit here that I found delightful. Mm-hmm. She's like, oh, why on earth are you here, sheriff? It, this can't be your job to come to the school unless we have a kid in trouble. And he's like, he says, no, I'm following up on an island mystery. And she says, oh, the cats? He says, no, the dog that was poisoned. I, I had some questions about that compound. What do you call it? She's like, oh, 1080, the poison for the rats. He's like, yeah, that's it behind you, right? And she's like, oh yeah, sure, yep, that's a. There's forty bottles back here. <laughs> you know, after all those cats died, I sprinkled some of this around my property, and for a few others that requested, I do the same to protect our houses from whatever may be killing cats. She's like, if that poor dog ingested some accidentally, well, I'd just be a wreck. You're certain that that happened, Sheriff? I I'll just never forgive myself. So are you? Are you certain? I love that the sheriff does not back down from her shit. Because he's like, you can't tell anything for certain, but does anybody else have access to those chemicals? She's like, oh, well, the whole island. Which is really funny is that she unlocked the door. So she had keys to the mm-hmm. supply room. So it's not accessible to everybody on the island. She's the only one with keys because I don't think that Aaron could have gotten to that closet without her. But anywho. And she's like, well, everybody could use these. We just store them here for everyone on the island. Anyone could come in here. Heck, you walked right on in here. If you had wanted to grab a gallon, who would have known? I should really lock these up. I was like, it is a locked cupboard, sweetheart. You, you, It is locked up, but we're just going to ignore that, I guess. How many of these cans did they initially have if they used so many of them after with the rat problem and the oil spill that they still have like 30 cans of this shit? In the supply closet. Well, I'm concerned is, okay, they had a, okay, whatever. The rats had nothing to eat. 
not like rats are going swimming for fish. I guess they were eating the fish guts or whatever, probably from the wharfs or whatever. Yeah, she said the fish should the market or yeah, whatever. But they have 8,000 fucking cats in the uppers. <laughs> Why weren't they coming after these rats? Like, that's kind of the cat's thing. So, so confusing. Your storylines, your animal storylines are not working out, people. I don't know. So, over at Joe's, Bowl is there. Bowl is helping him with his generator. And the sheriff comes by and he and Bowl exchanged some words that I thought were hilarious. But I didn't write them down. I did. Because that's, that's <laughs> me. The sheriff says something about checking Bowl's pockets. <laughs> He's like, if you check my pocket, I think you'll find a fist up your ass or something no. like that. <laughs> and Joe's like, oh, whoa, hey, calm down. Everybody's friends here. So... Anyway, Bo leaves, and the sheriff says, you know, he's a drug dealer, Joe. And Joe says, he's not when he's here. And he's the only person on this island that treats me like a human being, so maybe you should all be drug dealers. He asks if the sheriff arrested Bev Keen, and he's like, well, Bev insists that she had nothing to do with it. And Joe's like, oh, she insists? Well, case closed. And the sheriff again suggests that maybe it was an accident. Joe's like, nah, but... I figured this wouldn't go anywhere. Not with me. Not with her. I've known that woman since grade school. And you know what? Forget it. You're a smart man, Sharif. But in this case, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. So let's just leave it there. And the sheriff says, you're right, Joe. I don't know her as well as you do. But listen to me, Joe. I do know you're not wrong, Joe. He's telling Joe without telling Joe that he believes him, that he thinks Bev poisoned the dog. But there's just no way to prove it. Right. And Joe says thank you because he got that affirmation that Bev's a bitch. But we all knew that. Well, the sheriff, is other than Bull, the sheriff is the only one that's treating him human, too. Yeah. But yes. I love that I think he very pointedly, Joe very pointedly says, she killed half the island with that settlement. Which we're just about to get into. Yeah, we are. Yeah, we are. So cut to the most awkward AA meeting ever. It's just Father Paul and Riley sitting in folding chairs facing each other in the rec center. Which has a giant digital sign out front, which is insane. So they start with the serenity prayer and... Which they're supposed to say at the end. They're not supposed to say at the beginning, but whatevs. I don't, I don't, I don't even know. Riley's like, okay, uh, now what? And Father says, I think we just talk. Like, I don't know. This is my first AA meeting. And Riley's like, great. I want to talk about this rec center. And he says, I heard that Bev Keen was pushing everyone to take the settlements from the oil company, saying, look, it's a gift from God. And while you're at it, maybe give a little back to God. And they do. And with Pruitt being as sick as he was, it was really like giving it to her. And that wouldn't look good, so she built this rec center. And who knows if it even cost as much as she was given. But so many people who donated are gone now, there's really no way to know for sure. He says that's the Catholic Church all over the world. Starving villages with big fancy churches. Ding, ding, ding. Plump little ticks sucking the town dry. And Paul's like, okay, so it's safe to say you're not practicing. And Father Paul tries to talk about when Riley was younger, But he doesn't want to go there. So he starts talking about what AA is all about. It's a bunch bunch of buzzwords. And more importantly, this reliance on a higher power. And that's the part that Riley has a problem with. He says there are other recovery programs. Have you ever heard of RR? And Father Paul walks right into this dad joke trap. And Riley says it's AA for pirates. But um, jokes for days, that Riley. But seriously, it stands for Rational Recovery, and it's about empowering people. 
Father Paul says, so, okay, you're the higher power. And Riley says, yeah, it's an addictive voice recognition technique. And Father Paul, to his credit, looks like he's actually interested in learning about this. Father Paul asks how that's going. He said, well, I haven't had a drop in four years, to which Father Paul says, there's not much selection in prison. And I said, hey, you know what? Toilet wine wine. is a thing. Father Paul, you're wrong. So this one father says, Jesus turned water into wine. Alcohol isn't good or bad. It's people. One in 12 has this problem, just like the disciples. One in 12 of us will have the problem where alcohol is a thing which causes great suffering. And he said, and God can take that and turn it into something good. You know, purpose. It all comes back to purpose. He says, suffering can be a gift. It just depends on how we react to it. Guilt, grief, suffering, it all depends on what we do with it. And Riley is not here for that. He's he's like, listen, alcohol may not be good or bad, but the version of me that came out when I drank was selfish and it ruined my life. He, and I love that he said, there's a saboteur inside of me. Mm-hmm. He said, I thought it'd never hurt me because I fed it with alcohol. So why would it hurt me? He said, then I wake up one morning and I thought I killed someone. Or he said he killed someone. And then he realized I killed someone. I'm to blame. But God let it happen. Why is there so much suffering? But God chooses not to help. He's like, no, thank you. He's like, we all sat back and watched Lisa, what's her name? Wheel herself all around town. Scarborough, I think is her last name. Yeah. While Joe drinks himself to death, we tolerate it because we can say God works in mysterious ways. But nothing good came out of drinking. Nothing good came out of me killing that girl. Nothing good comes out of Lisa not being able to walk again. We all sit and do nothing because we think suffering can be a gift from God. And that's a monstrous idea. Whew, that hit me so hard. Mm -hmm. And Father says, I believe God can take our work, even our awful works, and turn them into something else. I know he can find love and good. That I know. And this scene... And I read a couple write-ups about it. It is intense. It is really, the two of them, it's just a great actory scene. I'd love to see somebody else take that on because it was just, it was really well done. Yeah. And I really like the way it was filmed because it starts with cutting between side views of Riley and Father Paul, but then it changes to the camera pointed at each of them, but it's not like them centered in the frame of the camera. They're off to one side every time they're way off on the edge of the frame and I don't know what the significance of that but it creates like a really cool back and forth as opposed to just close up of this guy's face close up of this guy's face close up of this guy's face it made it more interesting I I think it the because I think having it off frame like that the camera becomes the point of view it was Riley's point of view and like if they had been looking at each other just like how they were just off of each other's shoulders like it could flip Either way, I don't. I felt like that you were. I don't know. Maybe that wasn't the way it was supposed to be. It was really. It was really well done. I don't know. Maybe you watching this exchange and instead of like them having these. I don't know. Yeah. But I thought it was cool. I I appreciated that. It's kind of like the things that you, they used to do in Ratchet, where it's like they could have filmed it so basically, but they did a little extra to make it make it different. Cinematography and directing has come so far and it is so Uh interesting. Oh, I could do papers on it. It's really cool. I also liked that Father Paul said there's nothing in the scripture that suggests God negates personal accountability because that is such a supernatural reference that team free will. The thing was, there's no such thing as fate, really, because you could change. I don't know. Anyway, it brought me back to supernatural again. 
So over at Aaron's house, she's having a super fun evening organizing her photo albums. Yay. I couldn't understand this because she hated her mother. So why was she putting her pictures in an album? I know. Why would she give a shit? She hears thumping on the roof above her. And let me tell you, for a hot second, I was like, what if her mother is like back to life oh. and she's walking around upstairs in the house? That's but then I realized I don't that. think there is an upstairs in the house. I think it's the roof. Anyway. It sounds like something's walking around, but instead of running out of the door screaming like a normal person would, she goes over to the window to check it out, and she sees someone run out of the corner of the frame, and it's the same person that was in the dream that Riley had at the beginning with the long coat. It's the same thing from the uppers. It's the same thing that was the one yes. shined the flashlight yes. on it. It's the same weird, tall, yeah. shadowy thing. Tall, shadowy thing. That's what we're going to call it. And she's like, well, that's weird. Anyway, gotta pee. And she... trophy insane. <laughs> trophy insane. <laughs> and she's on the toilet in the bathroom at night with the window wide open. Wide Curtains open, like wide open with the lights on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can't stand to have any window in my house open once it gets Me dark. either. And I don't live near anywhere where anybody could see in the house. But this the idea that someone could be standing outside looking in and I wouldn't know it. No Thank no, you. mine is there's a freaking boogeyman out there, you dumbass. Why wouldn't you shut the freaking curtain? If I shut the curtains, it doesn't exist anymore. I don't have to think about it. Shut the curtains. So she looks out of the window because she didn't bring a book to read. And <laughs> she looks down and notices blood in her underwear. So she now is over at the doctor's house and the doctor's poking her belly with a stethoscope and telling her everything sounds good. So Aaron leaves and Sarah goes to walk upstairs when she hears her mother scream, Sarah, come quick. She says, I thought I saw your father. And Sarah says, dad's been dead for 15 years, mom. Doesn't get any easier telling you that. And she says, no, it was something else. It came right up to the window. And she's like, that face, that face. And Sarah's hugging her mom, trying to calm her down. Because she said, I thought I saw your father, his clothes. So the hat and the coat, it's the same thing. It's very pointed where she says, I saw your father and that in his clothes. And then she says, dad died 15 years ago. And her mom shakes her head like, that wasn't your, that's not your dad. Right, not your dad. That's not your dad. Monsignor Pruitt is your dad. We're getting that, kids, right? We're all picking up on what they're putting down. Holy, I saw this three times and I didn't catch on That's why he's been staring at her since she was a kid. And that's why he has all those lovey feelings for Millie. Oh my God, yes. He's been staring at her since she was little because she's his kid. And I think he was older. I think he was older than Millie when she was younger. That's why he calls her little, whatever he called her young lady it's creepy weird priest thing and i don't like it but anyways he's her father there you go you're welcome okay okay yeah (laughs) that's the one i got so we're outside bowl has been still walking home from joe's house i guess he lives out really far away because he's still (laughs) you know how long it takes people to walk around (laughs) he's still carrying the gas can and he walks by this abandoned house and this is the shit that creeps me out i can't handle this stuff he's he's walking by this house (laughs) the door creaks open this is some conjuring shit this is the stuff that keeps me up at night so it creaks open and he turns and he goes straight up to it because he's a fucking dumbass and has obviously never watched a horror movie Uh this is stupid and he says hello and inside someone says hello and i was like and then he goes up to the door and he says who's that and inside you hear who's that and he starts to laugh like okay somebody's playing a joke on me and he walks inside and he says, is that you, Ochre? 
And in the back, he looks into this dark room. The shadow moves and this long shadowy figure thing stands up in the corner. And all of a sudden, big wings come out and just whoop around Bowl. All of a sudden, his hat goes flying out the door and ends up like out by the road and the door slams shut. And I pissed my pants. Just so y'all know. <laughs> Scared me to death. I can't take that crap. Okay. So, these see, the days had to gone quickly here. Because we were on Ash Wednesday, and now we're at Sunday Mass, right? This is a Sunday? Yes. Yep. This is a Sunday. So, at Sunday Mass, and as their people are coming in, Father Paul is giving Lisa this very longing, not longing... He's giving her a very pointed look as she's... Way too intense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, rolling into mass. He's looking at her. Lisa, Lisa's got a purpose, kids. She's got a purpose. And as they're in the mass, Bev is leading the... What is it called? The responsible... Responsorial song. There we go. She's doing that. And <laughs> Father is sitting up behind her. It's like a little little stool thing that he's sitting on, but he's so big, like Hamish Linklater's such a tall, lanky dude. It looks like he's sitting on a toilet and it bothered me greatly. So I was like, <laughs> sitting on grab her up there. As she's going, he's not paying any attention to Bev because nobody should. And he's just staring at Lisa and staring at Lisa. You can see him formulating this plan. that He's going to do this. So it's time for communion. And at communion, he brings out the, I'm going to call them wafers. Are they wafers? We're going to call them wafers, right? Yes. They're wafers, so, yeah. The host or the wafer, right. whatever you want to say. The thingy. And they always go up to the people who can't oh, come up right. first. Right. Good point. Okay. So we're there and he comes out and he goes to give the body of Christ to Lisa. When he holds it out to her, he holds it up kind of high and she's holding her hands out to accept it. And then he backs up like she's a dog. This bothered me so much. Here, Lisa, Lisa, Lisa. And then her, he back takes a step backwards, and the mayor's like, what, what, what are you doing? What are you doing? So Lisa rolls forward, and he's like, mm-mm, no, mm-mm, mm-mm, and takes another step back, and she comes a little bit forward, and he's like, no, no, and he climbs up the stairs, and he's like, come on, Lisa, come on, and everybody is instantly appalled. What are you doing? This is cruel. Why are you teasing this poor girl in a wheelchair? If you think it's a joke, this is not funny. And he's like, come on, Lisa. Elisa gets to her feet. And everyone freaking gasps, like, because this is insane. Then all of a sudden, she's walking down the aisle. And she is up the stairs like she has never had a wheelchair in her entire life. And she hurries on up those stairs. She takes her communion. And everybody immediately starts doing the sign of the cross. Like, ha, Because we just witnessed a miracle, kids. Lisa has a purpose and she's serving the purpose because father's going to show Riley some shit. There's a reason for why, why she was injured that her and Joe serve this purpose. And we are going to find out what it is. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. I'm trying to go back through my notes at all the times that he's hinted to this through this whole episode that where he was talking during Ash Wednesday about how the same hand that dealt you your heartache would does he even say lift you up? Oh, oh he might have. Or the fa- or when he's standing with her staring at Joe so awkwardly on the street in the tightest fit hoodie I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> that bothered me. It's a- Damn it, I can't. Oh, the same hand that dealt you your hardship will make you whole. And then at the awkward AA meeting where he's talking about... 
God can take that pain and turn it into something good. Yeah, yeah. Suffering can be a gift, and God can take even our awful works, yeah, like shooting someone else. by accident. Yes. Like, he was hinting at this throughout the entire show, the entire episode. He's had a plan for a while, and I, and I think this is why he's like, okay, I need this to happen. Is today going to work? Is, is she going to be able to do it today? We're going to freaking try. We're, we're going to give it a shot, because I got to prove some shit to these people today. Can you imagine if it hadn't worked? I know. And, he's, and she like... fell on her face and he's like, shit, we'll try again <laughs> no. next Sunday. See, see kids next week. <laughs> He'd be like, damn it, I'm getting on the breeze today and never being able to show my face again. I'm going to have to pack up my, oh. my box of dust and head on out. See y'all later. Yeah, my box, <laughs> box of angel dust and peace out. Gotta collect my angel again. He's around town eating people. But yeah. So I am so shocked end. you didn't catch the Sarah thing. I thought for sure you heard that. No, no. I mean, no, I didn't get that nuance of how she said his clothes, but not like that didn't pop out to me at all. But that makes so much. But sense. you caught the Millie thing, the like intimacy between him and her, right? Yeah, yes. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Sarah's his kid. Totally his kid. But I thought it was just like. I thought it was the recognition, obviously, there that Monsignor knew what she was like when she was younger. And like you said, that he had seen how time had ravaged her body. And he was just, like, sad about that. But she, um, The minute did, she called him John, who's calling their priest by their, well, like, and other than, like, Father John? Yeah. Yeah, they're not just John. Yeah, I'm now going to go up to my priest and be like, Jim. No, <laughs> you, no. Never. No, so, Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or Monsignor or something. But yeah, John, you're right. Very So intimate. we're all on the same page, everybody listening. That we are now. Father Paul is, Mo- is Monsignor. He's Monsignor just yeah. aged down, right? Whatever he's done, he's done that. And he's now going to do it to everybody else, right? That's what we're getting at. I think that's what we're getting at. Yeah. That's what we're and doing. He, Two episodes in, it's abundantly. And late. he needed to make sure that he got to Millie's house. And get her on this rapidly aging backward train because he that's mm-hmm. his love. They had something going on at some point. Well, it definitely had to be before he was a priest. I don't think it was. I don't I th- think, I think it, it was. I don't think it was. I think that's it because he makes some point. He says something about sin and his sin. And it's around the same point when he's around with Sarah about his sin. And I think, I think, we'll see. We'll see. Because you can become a priest. Like, oh yeah, my later. my husband's my husband's uncle became a priest like in his mid forties, so yeah, mm-hmm. that can happen. But I, mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. my old priest, he used to be like a music teacher before he became a priest, which I thought was pretty cool. Anyway, you guys, episode two done. Next week we will be back with episode three, but in the meantime. If you could tell us, what would you bring to the crock pot luck oh. lunch? I am a pinwheels girl. I love making a pinwheel. So that's what I probably would have brought. What about you, Tiffany? What would you um, What's your specialty? Or brownies with the caramel in the middle. Oh. I'm also, I also like those. See, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I don't really like to cook and I'm always embarrassed that you what, bake though i know but i'm always embarrassed that whatever i make isn't like it tastes okay to me but like it's not i always think that people are like oh my gosh she thinks this is great and it's not, not even made right or something so i don't 
Like, when people are like, we're all going to bring them. So they had something terrible happen, or they had a baby, or we're bringing dinners to these this family, and I'm always like, I, I'm not bringing them anything. I'll give you a gift card, because I'm always afraid people are be like, oh, that's gross. And she thinks that's You're good. Precious. Okay. But... So Tiffany's bringing gift cards. No, I would. The one thing that I know is always a crowd pleaser is pickle wraps, oh, and it's probably yes. a very Midwestern thing. At my wedding, my husband's aunt was known for her pickle wraps, and then for our wedding, there was probably five older ladies, all relatives, that sat and did pickle wraps before my wedding, and I was will never forget it. They sat for hours and made pickle wraps because they know I liked them and everybody liked them. And it's just dried beef. Do not use ham. Use dried armor beef. You find it in the aisle with, like, by the tuna and shit. You grab that, you spread some cream cheese on it, and then you put a slice of dill pickle, like a little spear, on there, and you roll it up tight. Some people call them Polish roses because you can do them with green green onions and stuff, too. It is a Polish thing. My husband's family was very Polish, so... My husband's family's Polish. Never heard of these in my life until I met you, but they look amazing. They're so salty and yummy, like... Yum, yum, yum. I make them for every holiday, and my and my kids, we make them for birthdays. It's just a thing. I don't know. We love them. Yeah. But that's probably what I would make, and or okay. some kind of dessert that I would hope people would like. Well, you need to tell us what you would bring, and or you can ask for a more detailed uh, recipe for these delicious pickle wraps. And you could do that in so many different places. Like where, Tiffany? Um, well, you could go to Facebook or Instagram at That's So Original Podcast. You can go to Twitter at That's So Pod. You can send us an email at That's So Original Podcast at gmail.com. Conveniently, our website is That's So Original Podcast.com. Oh, you can go to Spotify and follow us. You can go and like us and leave us a review on iTunes. We want to hear your theories. Did you know about the Sarah thing? Did you pick that up? Am I the only one? I feel really smart right now. And I don't think I am. So let's see if let's see if somebody else picked up on that. I want to know if we're all on the same page on the aging backwards thing. Because I think we all are. Yeah, yeah. It's painfully clear. But maybe not. I know watching it, because I've watched it twice. I watched it by myself. Or no, I watched it with my kids. And then I watched it and took notes. And my kids were screaming out theories as we were watching it. So I feel like it's it's there. But anyway... Do you think Riley's mom is Spider-Man? I mean, do we need to talk about that? Do we need to get J. Jonah Jameson out here and see if this is really Spider-Man? Because I'm concerned. Marvel, hit me up. We will see if this is yes. Spider-Man. And this, Marvel crossover. This, this new movie that come, that's coming out, they're bringing back everybody. Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, Annie Flynn is going to be in there as Spider-Man. You heard it here You first. are welcome. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon, and hopefully we'll both be at 100% next time. We love you. Thanks for being here. Bye. 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 Bye.